0: The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and wadinaradio.com.
1: It is the Morning Sports Desk for Tuesday, January 30th. My name is CJ Baumgartner, Corey Tackman, my co-host, and Corey, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's just jump right into our broadcast schedule for tonight. It is Wadena Deer Creek going west along Highway 10 to take on the Purim Yellow Jackets, a Section 8 AA boys basketball game. Wadena Deer Creek heading into this matchup has won six games in a row and they're now going on the road to try and see if they can make it seven against a section opponent in Purim. If you're looking at the Yellow Jackets on the season, they're four and 11, 0 and 5 in the section, 2 and 5 in the Heart of Lakes Conference, 1 and 5 on the road, although 3 and 5 at the Hive in Purim. Their last win was a 63-52 to 52 win against Frazee on January 16th. They lost to Pelican Rapids and DGF on the schedule before this one uh, as they take on the Wolverines. This will be their first home game for Purim since on the 13th, when they played Cast Lake Bina and lost 73, 63. Um, so that's where the schedule looks like for them for the Wolverines. They are 11 and three on the season, two and one in eight AA, eight and one in the park region conference, three and three on the road, seven and zero on their home floor. And if we take a peek into the section eight AA boys basketball standings for a second here. We can kind of see where things shake out with the Yellow Jackets and the Wolverines for where they're at. Currently, Wadena Deer Creek is sitting as the five seed in Section 8AA uh, with a QRF of about 616 DGF is in fourth, Barnesville, third, Park Rapids area, second, and Pelican Rapids in at the top spot. After Wadena-Deer Creek at six, it's East Grand Forks, then Holly at seven, Rozo at eight, Purham at nine, Warroad at 10, Managa at 11, Thief River Falls at 12, and Crookston is at 13 in the section 8 AA double-A uh, standing. So, Perum right now with a QRF of forty-seven, the Wolverines with a QRF of sixty-one point six, looking like it uh, should be a pretty good matchup tonight. Obviously uh, with two teams in close proximity, uh, you know it's a rivalry. They've had rivalries in other school, another uh, sports, uh, so it should be a good one at the Hive tonight.
0: Yeah, pretty straightforward stuff. It's just going to be nice, I think, for each of these teams as we approach February to start playing some of these section tournament games and and uh, or, or teams that are uh, within the section. Uh, things are a little a, a little different, you know, um, especially from the wadena Deer Creek standpoint. Right there, a lot of their conference mm-hmm. is against single A opponents. So to play these non conference games against double A teams and and there is a little bit of a difference. So to get their their feet wet and and start planning and preparing for that is going to be uh, really important. Because of that, even though you know Perm in a bit of a, an adjustment year, brand new uh, first year head coach in Perm. He's not a first year coach overall, but it's his first year in Perm. Obviously some roster turnover, but uh, you know they play in a double A primary primary, uh, conference in the heart of lakes. So I I suspect this game is probably going to be, um, a fairly competitive basketball game, at least going in. Plus it's at the hive and you know, that's just not an easy place to, it's an overwhelming place to show up to, even though they've all been there a bunch, um, it's a pretty dynamic gymnasium, and I think just walking in there sometimes is enough to make you go, whoa. You have to you have to try a little extra hard to refocus, you know?
1: Right, exactly. So it should be a fun one. It's got a 7.15 pregame, a 7.30 tip-off from the Hive in Perm. You can listen tonight on 101.7 and AM 920 KWAD should be a good one. Let's go into our state sports, CJ, Corey, the Minnesota Timberwolves. CJ, really quickly. Wadina
0: radio.com slash kwad also.
1: Oh, we got that going. All right. Perfect. So you can listen on the internet as well. The world wide web. Wadina radio.com slash KWAD. Um, now as we look into our Timberwolves and the state sports Corey, we talked a lot on the sports desk yesterday about if this team is a different basketball team with Mike Conley and, uh, you know, he's been hurt and they haven't been playing good basketball. And so of course uh, the Timberwolves decide to beat the Oklahoma city thunder on the road uh, without Mike Conley beating the team that was chasing them in the Western conference. And the wolves are once again, back in sole possession of the Western conference.
0: I don't know. Does Oklahoma city have anything funky going on right now? Do they have guys out? I know they just lost to Detroit. I'm saying like as far as injuries, like is Chet playing, is is Giddy playing, yeah. do they have their guys? Because this game was Everybody's won playing. in Oklahoma City. That's a, a really nice win. Everything we said about the Timberwolves not being mature and not being able to handle it without Mike Connolly on the road was immediately proven false. Um, I don't know, what, 12 hours? Uh, not even, eight hours after we recorded yesterday's podcast. Uh, Mike 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 Conley did not play and uh, the Timberwolves got a tough fought victory on the road against a a really good team. Right. Who would have guessed? We
1: got it wrong. We got it wrong. Once again, who could have guessed? Who could have guessed? It's a really good win for the wolves. They get back into first place. And and Corey, I mean, with all the uncertainty in this season for the Timberwolves, you know, it's going to be February in two days and your Minnesota Timberwolves are one of the top teams in the NBA and would be a one seed in the NBA playoffs if the season ended on February 1st. That's And there's only a couple more months left of the season after that. I'm not saying they're going to hang on and be number one. Denver is sneakily moved up on Oklahoma City. They're like a game behind the Wolves or a half game behind Minnesota. And Denver, of course, is a pros team. They're going to be hanging around till the very end. But, I mean, no matter what happens so far, Wolves are with house money right now. They're going to be a top four team in the NBA when the postseason starts. And it's just been a fun ride and it's fun that we get to keep, see it uh, uh, kind of continue so far. It's been a little bumpy, but the wheels haven't fallen off this wagon yet. It's only
0: been bumpy because they're in first place and you feel like you have to nitpick like, The the complaints about the Timberwolves are nitpicks. They're not like major concerns. They don't suck at basketball. They have some things that if they could fix, they
1: might be dynamite, but they're already really good. Exactly. So we'll talk more about uh, kind of their needs and things as that gets closer and the trade deadline gets closer and we have some more news. But speaking of trades, the Minnesota Twins, Gory, they finally did something. It's Worth the wait, I guess, because it's a big one. Uh, They make a major transaction in trading the longest tenured twin and who most have considered the most underrated twin of the target field era, Jorge Polanco, which are you really the most underrated twin if everybody says how you're underrated? That's
0: a fair fair question. It's going to be a bummer to see him go. He's not only the longest tenured,
1: pretty darn good at baseball over that time too right? You know, he's the last, I think, well, I think Caleb Thielbar counts, but uh, if we're talking continuous run, uh, Jorge Polanco is one of the last twins who played for Guardi. <laughs> he's an old man now, huh? He, he is. He's 30. I mean, I guess technically Willie Castro, because he played for Guardy in Detroit. That might be the loophole in this thing, but oh. anyway, <laughs> uh, so, so Jorge Polanco, he's, he signed with the twins at age 16 out of the Uh, Dominican Republic, I believe. And he has been with the team ever since. He was signed in the same free international free agent class as Max Kepler and Miguel Sano. And he worked his way throughout the organization, made his debut in 2014, up and down the next few years, officially established himself in 2017 and has been what he was an all-star starter in 2019. So I mean, everything about uh Jorge Polanco has just been solid. He his best season wasn't even probably 2019. 2021 was probably his best season. And I mean he's just been so so good uh for his entire Twins career. He's just been a constant force. He's never been like the top player on your team or at least you never feel like it. But all of a sudden you look at the end of the season and he's amassed 22 home runs with like a 270 average and an o- and an OPS of like 820. Like he's just a guy who all of a sudden Um, At the end of every year, it's like, whoa, this guy was super productive for our team. And, you know, the defense wasn't necessarily strong suit, but moving over to second base masks that a lot. And overall, it's just tough to see Jorge Polanco go. It's going to be awful weird seeing him in a Mariners uniform. Uh, So, I mean, but let's be honest. We all knew that this trade was coming for Jorge Polanco. Um, and we'll get to kind of that in a second, but there, there was just a log jam of infielders and Polanco. Had, he was making 10 and a half million this year. There was a club option for 12 million the next season. And there was a lot of young players who were there and Jorge Polanco has been, he was an iron man through the first half of his career, but so far in the last few years, that's kind of been catching up with him a little bit and the bumps and bruises and missing time here and there. It was just time to move on. And Jorge Polanco is going to go to a team in Seattle that needs position players and good hitters, but the official trade now for Jorge Polanco in the deal, the twins get uh, Justin Topa, who is a reliever, uh, major league reliever, and he'll be, he's making like 1.25 million this year. He's going to be under team control for 2025 and 2026, um, relatively cheap as well. Uh, he had a career year last year with an ERA of 2.69. Um, and if that stays pace he's going to be one of the twins more high leverage relievers kind of in a griffin jacks uh um I'm trying to think brock stewart kind of role on this twins team um anthony daskofani i'm probably butchering that last name um he pitched for the giants he got traded from the giants to the mariners this offseason now from the mariners to the twins the interesting part about DeScofani getting traded, DeScofani, however you pronounce it, uh, getting traded is that the Mariners weren't even paying his full salary. The Giants were paying half of his salary and the Mariners are paying another chunk of his salary. So the Twins are only paying like $3 million, $4 million for a starting pitcher who I would say, you know, is a five or six starter on this current Twins rotation. It's more for rotation depth. And on the team last season for the Twins, that even though the rotation was pretty darn healthy, all things considered, uh, they still started 10 different starting pitchers throughout the course of a season. You're going to need guys. They have a guy who at least is back-end rotation depth, just as much as every team needs a nine-hitter. Every team does need like a a veteran guy in the back part of your rotation, and the Twins have that with Scofani. And then uh, the big piece in this trade was a minor league or a 19, 20 year old kid in Gabriel Gonzalez, an outfielder from Venezuela. I believe um, big power hitting prospect, a boomer bust type of prospect from what I've read, but is a guy that was the Mariners third best prospect and a top 100 prospect in the world and slots in according to MLB pipeline is the twins fourth best prospect behind, Uh, Walker Jenkins, Brooks Lee, and Emmanuel Rodriguez. And it reshuffles the farm system a little bit. It gives you a guy, the Twins farm system is aging a little bit. Brooks Lee is a guy, Emmanuel Rodriguez, and even guys like Junior Severino are all guys who are the top part of your farm system that are going to make their big league debuts pretty quickly. So you need kind of another young prospect to kind of have towards the top of your farm system if you maybe need to make a trade later in the season. Um, And even if you want to make a trade in the next month, you now have another top prospect who you have as a poker chip or trade block resources, capital, whatever term you want to use. And Darren Bowen is a throw in piece of the trade, but I use throw in piece in air quotes. He's a pitching prospect. He, the twins like tall right-handed pitchers uh, and he's six foot three, not like Bailey Ober tall, but still tall. Uh, and the twins like those, that kind of build for a pitcher and they're going He's a throwing piece, but he's still going to be in the Twins top 30 prospect list. So the Twins, for an aging Jorge Polanco, who's fit on this roster, he would have been appreciated, but you have a glut of people who can play second base to get rid of him, who's been aging and banged up, but still productive, to get him at his peak value right now, because he wasn't going to be at the same value next year, to get that guy gone for the twins to get a little bit of salary back because the Mariners are taking all of Polanco's salary, plus giving the twins eight million dollars in cash. Um, this is the twins got so much value. They got two prospects, they got a reliever who can be towards the top of their bullpen hierarchy, and they have a starter on the back end of their rotation. Twins' roster isn't set. I feel like more moves are coming, but. Everybody's talking about how much value the twins got for Jorge Polanco. Polanco is a good player, but most people, if you use the trade machine kind of websites would reject this trade because the twins are getting too much value. So
0: you mentioned that um, uh, the twins get to offload some of the salary from Polanco, which means there's some immediate things still left on the table. What is now possible for the twins, with with Polanco off the
1: roster, well, so the Twins were pretty much as of yesterday. The Twins were pretty much at the brim of what their self-imposed payroll payroll limit was because of the Bally contract situation and all that. Um, so they're pretty much at their limit. Now, getting rid of Polanco means you cleared up ten and a half million dollars, and with the so you cleared up ten and a half, you're going to have to obviously, D. Scalfani is going to make like four million dollars. And then you have another million and a half from Topa, but then you also get 8 million. So in the sense the twins, I mean, whatever that math works out to the twins have enough money to go get one nice free agent player. Uh, That's not, you're not going to go sign Cody Bellinger for like $30 million, but it opens things up to maybe go get a Joey Gallo type. You know, I'm not saying Joey Gallo. He signed a $5 million deal with the Nationals, I think. But you're not going to go get Joey Gallo, but you're going to get a Joey. You're going to get like a player who's not a superstar, but can be a nice starting player on your team, theoretically. And you can go get that guy. You can maybe go get a, uh, you can go get a Adam Duvall to be your right-handed hitting corner outfield piece. You can, maybe if you open up the wallets a little bit more, you could maybe go get a Blake Snell on like a one-year reset kind of deal. Um, there are some options here that the twins have, um, with their payroll. Now it's not a ton of flexibility, but all of a sudden the twins have enough to where there was a report from John Heyman. They could, they're interested in bringing back Donovan Solano for another year, which I wouldn't be opposed to. So the twins are pretty much at the brim of their payroll limit. They could only make really minor signings. Now they can at least go get a, an established and quality veteran bat or arm. That's available to them now with the payroll. And now with Polanco cleared up, that's kind of the first domino to fall. I don't think Kepler is getting traded despite that his contract is aging. I think the twins love Kepler. I don't think that they want to part with him. Um, Kyle Farmer, is Kyle Farmer a trade piece? Do other teams need a veteran infielder and he's only making six and a half million and maybe the market rate's closer to 10. If you want a team that wants to save a little bit of money, Kyle Farmer is potentially a piece you can go get on your, uh, uh, the Twins could trade. Now I think the Twins will keep Farmer, and you can platoon him and Ed Julian because I think Ed Julian is your opening day second baseman. Would you say, Corey? Yeah,
0: probably. But that was going to be my next question now because they, the Twins do have um, a lot. They've got a lot of infielders. Um, you, you mentioned Farmer. You mentioned Julian. Obviously, uh, Royce Lewis is going to play in the infield. Um, you've got waiting in the wings with with former major league experience in in uh, Jose Miranda. You've got Brooks Lee waiting in the wings. He's just it. It, it feels like it's bound and determined to be uh, maybe his year. Um, what is the Let's live in the hypothetical. What's, what's the next piece that moves so you can go out and maybe get that dominant pitcher or that big right-handed power outfield bat that you want? Somebody else is, is maybe gone here, right? You can't live with all of these pieces and allow people to just rot in the
1: minors, right? Right. And there's a case to be made for some of them. You don't need to get rid of everybody. So there's only one specific person. Like you don't need to trade Julian because you like Brooks Lee at second base. Like you do want to have a little bit of depth because, you know, as the twins learned to first base, even though it was cure for most of the season, that still was a position that was iffy. Joey Gallo played a lot there. Jose Miranda played a little bit there. Donovan Solano played a lot there. You want some depth, but you're right. You don't want guys to just sit in AAA. Matt Walner kind of suffered from that last year uh, due to Joey Gallo taking up a lot of spots in left field. And Matt Walner came up and was incredible last year for the Twins. So you don't want to have that situation, but... I also think that there are some pieces you can move. You can move a Kyle Farmer. If you really want to go get that top of the rotation starting pitcher, not necessarily an ace, but a guy who maybe is a, a two starter on a really good team, um, you're going to need to give up something good. Now that you have another prospect in your farm system uh, with uh, with the guy that the Twins just got, I'm blanking on his name here, uh, with uh, Gabriel Gonzalez, and Darren Bowen. Now you have two more pieces into your farm system. Those are trade chips. Maybe you immediately flip Gabriel Gonzalez and you move him to an, you find a, there's a, an organization that really likes that prospect. You know, he really likes that prospect. So you trade for him. Now he's in your prospect. Now he's in your farm system. And you go to that team and you say, Hey, you know, that guy you love, we have him now and we're willing to give him to you so we can get X pitcher. I think that the twins are still going to have to trade for a starting pitcher. I don't see like a Blake Snell move coming, but V surprised us in years past with the Correa signing the first time. Uh, So there are some things there that they can do. Do you trade Brooks Lee? Like, is he more valuable as a trade chip? Uh, than if Ed Julian, if you think he can just be your second baseman, and if you think Brooks Lee with Correa at shortstop, uh lewis at third base and that looks like that's going to be cemented there falvey's kind of said lewis is going to stay at third now all of a sudden maybe like you said miranda is he a guy that platoons at first base with kirilov is it is he you know first base is pretty much going to be miranda's position he's a little slow uh for and he's basically kind of reserved to being a corner infielder at this point in his career so i think that there's a lot of different ways the twins can go But overall, I think if you look at your trade pieces, it's probably, you're not trading Walker Jenkins, who's your top prospect, but, and it depends on how you feel about Brooks Lee and Ed Julian. I think Ed Julian's a major leaguer. I think you already know he can contribute. I don't think there's any rush to trade him. I think that the Gabriel Gonzalez and Brooks Lee, if the twins want to make a trade, they're going to need to give up one of those two guys. And I think the twins getting a top five prospect in their farm system means that now they have a little bit more flexibility to trade away from the top echelon of their of the minors
0: lots of fun stuff lots of hypotheticals to talk about with the twins and we're obviously gonna uh as as things start to happen we're a couple of weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting still uh, uh, there's going to be some, there's going to be some, some moving and shaking here for the twins uh, over the next, you know, month or month plus probably. And right. then obviously we've got a trade deadline that happens in the middle of the season. So it, I right. think there's going to be some fun stuff still to happen. We though should move
1: on CJ because we've right. got some hypothetical other things that, that are well, worth and I think mentioning. one last, one last thing I should mention about the Polanco thing before we move on to our last thing is this is like, as we know with fall when they unloaded Josh Donaldson's contract to get back Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez, he's not like a one trade guy. We're done fall. This is like, this doesn't feel like a move to be like, well, our off season is done now. This feels like a move to set up another move. So we'll it'll be fun to see where that domino falls, but yeah, let's talk a little Vikings now. Go ahead. I know you, you got all the details here. I can't remember what they are. <laughs> okay. So there was a report in the St. Paul pioneer press from Charlie Walters. He's kind of their insider a little bit there. He's kind of the guy who comes up with his little, he's the classic guy who's got the Sunday column that just has a bunch of little tidbits, like little just crumbs that you can kind of just insert for yourself. And the thing that was has been making the rounds over this uh, early week has been uh, the fact of Kirk Cousins and what he's looking for in his contract. And I want to find the official quote here uh, so this is from Charlie Walters of the St. Paul Pioneer Press. The buzz now is that it will take 90 plus million dollars, guaranteed, for the next two years for Kirk Cousins, despite that he's not yet fully recovered from Achilles surgery in November, to sign the free agent quarterback. If that's the uh, to sign the free agent quarterback Kirk Cousins, if that's the case, he certainly won't get that from the Vikings. Corey, do you think? Kirk Cousins camp is asking, like, just on a gut level, do you think 290 is what they're looking for, which would be 45 million a year, fully guaranteed? And do you think, and my my thing is with this, do you think that that's credible? Do you think that this report is credible? And secondly, if it is credible, what do the Vikings do? And if you're quasi, what do the Vikings do? Is there any reason to think that it isn't credible? That's my thing is I it feels like that's something that he would ask but the thing kirk cousins mentioned taking the hometown discount potentially uh on that kind of locker clean out day uh so and
0: it, it dep- i mean that and- would, so that would not mean he was he'd be willing to take a discount off of 2 years 90 million so what do you do, right? That's your that's your next question. If you're the Vikings, I don't, I, I mean, if it's two years, 90 million, I don't care if the report's credible or not. It is, by the way. I don't know. Um, but like the, the Vikings aren't doing that. The Vikings are not doing that. That's him asking for what he thinks he deserves. This is a, a classic Kirk Cousins bit. He's always asked for what he thinks he deserves, and it's pretty much always worked out for him. This is a part of the Kirk Cousins story. When he retires, the 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 like one of the chapters of that Kirk Cousins book. Is going to be how he is the guy who started this ball rolling on getting quarterbacks guaranteed money and long-term guaranteed contracts. It's him. He's right. he is the guy who got it going. So the fact that he's asking for this is not a big surprise. I don't the I I can only ask, I can only answer the question really, I guess, by asking what is the number that you would give him if it's not two, if it's not two years for 90. So you know, forty-five million a year. Would you do two for eighty?
1: Well, would and you that's do the two
0: thing. Two for seventy-five. Would you do two for seventy at thirty-five million a year?
1: Because that feels that feels okay, doesn't it? Well, because remember, there were reports last year that Kirk Cousins was willing to take less money than Daniel Jones's total number but also he wanted all that money to be fully guaranteed. Whereas Daniel Jones does not have a fully guaranteed contract. As of right now, Daniel Jones uh, is going to make uh 35.5 million in 2024. He'll make 30 million in 2025. And in 2026, he's going to make 46 and a half million dollars uh, according to uh spot But 290, that's two years, that's a 45 mil a year. I, that's probably what the going rate for a veteran quarterback who's proven he can be successful in the NFL is. But for me, I, I'm i just not going to pay that money because here's the thing with the Vikings. I know that there's a way, there, there are people on social media who are saying, there's a way the Vikings can make this entire thing work. All they have to do is, Is just sign Jefferson to this number and Kirk to this number and Daniil Hunter to this number. And then you just make sure you work out these bonuses and you cut X player and you do Y. And the salary cap is a myth and all that stuff. The salary cap is not a myth because you do eventually, you can kick the can down the road all you want. But at some point, you do have to, for lack of a better term, pay for your sins in a little bit. You can't just escape the penalty of the salary cap by kicking the can down the road. Cause at some point the Piper has to come due. is that how people use that expression? But, uh, <laughs> uh, but the point is, is uh, that with all of this, I, I don't know, I'd be willing to pay Kurt cousins. Cause I'll look up what he's making now, but I gotta be, if the going rate and it probably is that 40 to $45 million range, and maybe this is a negotiation and maybe he's assuming the Vikings are going to work them down a little bit, but if it's, Two ninety or Cousins walks. I'm going to say enjoy Pittsburgh, Kirk Cousins. Enjoy Atlanta. I don't know. So let's let's take the Kirk Cousins perspective on this because
0: I I like you feel um, it's, it feels like a lot of money. Feels like a lot of money, but let just for argument's sake, let's just look at the NFC, okay? Okay. Who's a better Who's a better quarterback, um, Kirk Cousins or Jordan Love? Jordan Love proved a lot this past season, right? But but Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback right now. Who's better, Kirk Cousins or Jared Goff? Jared Goff has proven a lot is in his time in Detroit. I think you'd pick Kirk Cousins over Jared Goff. Who's a better quarterback, Kirk Cousins or uh, what's his face in Chicago, um, Fields? Kirk wow. Cousins is a better yeah. quarterback than 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 Fields. You're right, exactly. But go through the NFC. Is Kirk Cousins a better quarterback than Brock Purdy? Yeah, I think probably, right? Right. Is he a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield? Yeah, probably. Is he a better quarterback than Geno Smith? Yeah, probably. Is he a better quarterback than Derek Carr? Yes. Is he a better quarterback than Bryce Young? Yes. Is he a better quarterback than... Keep going. He's the best quarterback in the NFC, probably. That is also if you don't... Count that he's older and he just tore his Achilles. And so that's from his, yeah. from his perspective, he's name the quarterbacks that are better than him. Right. There's he's like he's top 10 for sure. He's probably top seven quarterback. Right. Legitimately, like, right. So if, if that's the going rate for a top seven quarterback, you might think it's weird that it's Kirk Cousins,
1: but it is Kirk Cousins. <laughs> no, and it is, and I th- that is the that is the going rate for a quarterback. I think Kirk Cousins is perfectly in a comfortable position from his negotiating perspective. I just think, and it's not so much a Kirk Cousins issue as it is just we already kind of know what we have with Kirk Cousins, and I know that people are saying, well, if Kirk never got hurt, the Vikings would have surely. Would the Vikings have made the NFC championship game? Because that I get that that defense had to deal with some bad quarterback play, but that defense fell apart. It ran out of gas. I, like, there's just these things of, like, it might just be time for the Vikings to fully – the Vikings were laying the groundwork for Kirk to be gone last year. They were laying that groundwork, and it feels like that's where it's headed. And I just don't know. I know that Kirk Cousins was playing some good football but Kirk Cousins is very up and down with the football over the course of a season, as we all kind of know. And he was the starting quarterback when the Vikings started one and four. So like, there's all like, as I love Kirk, this isn't like a Kirk's bad Kirk sucks kind of thing. This is just a, I'm just to the point where I don't know if the salary cap, I know it can work and you can keep some of those other guys. And I know that you have to draft better and the Vikings drafted better over. It wasn't so much that Kirk was clogging up the cap. The Vikings stunk at drafting basically since Kirk Cousins got here outside of picking Justin Jefferson. Um, But that's the thing. It's going to be, you need to reload a little bit. You need some salary cap space to fill in some of those cracks and also a rookie quarterback just to maybe reset the franchise a little bit. But that's the thing. The Vikings may be a little scarred from how bad the quarterback play was in the second half of the season and to go. Maybe we're, maybe we didn't appreciate Kirk enough and maybe we need to just go and let him finish this thing out. I just, I'm just ready for, I think the Kirk Cousins experiment to be done. I'm not saying that the Vikings can't win if he comes back, but I just think with that number, I think that number is fair to Kirk Cousins. I just don't know if it's in the Vikings best interest in the long term, and really maybe not even in the short term so
0: just for for fun here you can throw anybody in who you think i'm missing but mahomes burrow rogers allen and lamar i think you would all put ahead on a list of quarterbacks ahead of kirk cousins on yep. on a same like on the same tier you would put probably like a dac uh, you would put yep. probably cj stroud now You'd probably put Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence at the bottom of that tier, with Kirk at the top of that tier. Um, Justin am, Herbert's probably towards else? the top of that tier. Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert goes in that top tier. I forgot about him, and he's got a Harbaugh coaching him. So, so if you put Herbert, that's one, two, three, four, five, six. That's six quarterbacks, and then it's honestly, the way Jared the Cousins, Goff played, I put him in that tier with Kirk Cousins. I, Goff would go right in that, in that same, in that second tier, I think I would. And and this is getting into some nitty gritty and, and subjectiveness, but like if you're going to have, if those other guys, those six guys are tier one, I think you start tier two with Kirk Cousins.
1: He's towards that top. Totally. He totally is. He's a good quarterback. I don't know. Man. It's more, it's more of just a franchise viability and it's, it'll be interesting. Yep. I think if I think 2 years is interesting, but it's not that the Vikings after 2 years are going to be done with it. It's that the Vikings will sign him for 2 years 45 and they're going to find a way to kick all those cans down the road, which means that in 5 years all of a sudden Kirk Cousins is going to count for 5 million on the salary cap in 2029 when he's been retired or is towards the end because right now the Vikings have a cap hit of 4 million um for the they have a cap hit this year of Kirk Cousins of $28.5 million dollars in 2025, 10.25 million. In 2026, 4 million. In 2027, 4 million. So and I know that they can be restructured and things can be changed and they can kick that can down the road again. But my point is is they keep constantly kicking the can down the road. And you're playing New Orleans Saints football where they're constantly always finag- uh, finagling through the salary cap, but like to what cost? New Orleans is a franchise that has some good players, like the Vikings do, and their quarterback situation is different. Cousins is miles better than Carr, but also they're a franchise that's kind of stuck in that middle ground too, and they don't really have the flexibility to make up for things. So, it's that kind of thing of where I'm getting at. Of maybe that kind of gives you an opportunity to start fresh, but at the end of the day, if the Vikings just draft better, then things turn out a little bit differently. But who knows?
0: Uh, but I think that's probably. Dra- good- but they're they're not drafting better. You know what I mean? Like until they prove that they can draft better, that's that is a part of all of this. And of course, they're going to think that they're going to draft better and that they've been unlucky with their draft picks, which might also be true. But that is a thing to consider. It's like, you know, people sometimes complain about about coaching. Well, if players executed the plays, then coaching wouldn't be a thing you would talk about or the players have never executed this play. Quit calling those plays. Like you have to adjust your philosophy on what is the actual outcome of what's
1: happening. So if you're not going to draft better,
0: then you got to have cousins as your quarterback.
1: (laughs) Right? Exactly. Well, and it's on the Vikings haven't drafted, like they've hit on Addison, they've hit on Jefferson, they've hit on a few, but there hasn't been a, there hasn't been like a, whoa, the Vikings nailed like four key pieces of this French. They haven't had a 2015 draft in a 10 years. And I get that that's probably a once in a 10 well, year draft since 2015. <laughs> right. Exactly. When they drafted Kendricks and Hunter and Diggs and all of those guys that became part of your franchise, but there hasn't been like a outside of Metellus, there hasn't really been a guy who you draft that all of a sudden is like, Whoa, he can turn into something, you know, like there's just very few of those developmental pieces that even towards the back end of the Zimmer era felt like they, those were more few and far between, but like, in the peak of the Zimmer era, there was all of a sudden like, Whoa, this guy was a seventh rounder. And all of a sudden he's like a quality starter in like three years. And there hasn't been that process. So anyway, but I think that that's a good spot for this conversation to end. uh, And we'll talk, I'm sure more about Kirk cousins. We're not done talking about him quite yet. Uh, So that's, uh, so that's ready to go. So, all right. This has been the morning sports desk for Tuesday, January 30th.
0: The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and wadinaradio.com.